The following production is brought to you by the Talkin' Buds Leave Show. Talkin' Buds Leave Show, we have an awesome show for you today. We have the one and only Mr. Nick Richard from the Lamenting Leafs podcast and the LeafsNation.com. And we do a deep dive into the Leafs prospect pool. We got a link below to his Twitter account where he's got this awesome chart where he ranks the Leaf prospects top to bottom. It's it's amazing. This is exactly what we were hoping for. This is a bit off the beaten path for you and me, but man, is it good. No, I thought it was necessary because we've been talking about trade deadlines and trading guys off the roster and Matthew Nyes. And as, as much as all of us want to consider ourselves Leaf fans, we are always kind of just a little bit ignorant to the prospect system. Like we only know the top guys. So just getting this list that Nick has on his Twitter and Speaking to him about guys in the organization, I thought it was it was needed for us and and some of the fan base to really understand what what we're dealing with here in terms of their prospect pool. Absolutely. So let's not waste time. Let's get to it. It's a long conversation. It's a great conversation. Mr. Nick Richard. Joining us now, writer for the Leafs Nation and co-host of the Lamenting Leafs podcast and a great Twitter follow, Mr. Nick Richard. Nick, welcome to the Talking Buds Leaf Show, my friend. Hey, guys. How's it going? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So, first things first, pinned right at the top of your Twitter account is this awesome mid-season ranking of the Leafs' top, pros- Leafs top prospects. Wondering if you could take us through this and just give us a high-level overview of what you use to put this together, because it's it's really impressive. Well, first of all, I appreciate that. That's uh, very kind of you. Um you know, a lot of it is just uh, going back the last couple of years, I was working with dauberprospects.com uh, as part of their draft scouting team. So a, a little bit of inherent knowledge that, that or inherent opinions, at least that, that uh, came from uh, my work there. But it, I've always kind of been more focused on uh, the Leafs system in particular, you know, being a Leafs fan, as I'm sure you guys understand, uh, you're always looking for that that next guy that's coming or that next potential piece that's going to help put this team over the hump. So, yeah, a lot of it has just been watching as much of these players as I can over the last few years and, and you know, following what they're doing uh, when I'm not able to watch. So, uh, again, the, the list is strictly my own opinions and uh, shouldn't be taken as gospel by any means. But I, I think that w- with the amount uh, of time that I've put into following these players over the last few years, I've, I would like to think I've got a pretty good handle on where the Leaf system is at. And following you on Twitter, you do you do follow these guys avidly. You're always tweeting about the depth and the Marlies and uh, posting video clips and like really, really great analysis. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on is because, you know, we're pretty high level. Like we consider ourselves like just your casual everyday fan that just love to come on here and rant and rave about the team. And there's tons of talk right now heading into the deadline about like, you know, what are they going to do? Who can they pick up? How can they bolster this roster to get over the hump of the first round? And there's lots of talk about, like, like I said, who can they bring in? But it's like, wait, what do they have in the cupboard? Like, what what can they give up? And and obviously, you know, um, the first player that comes to mind is Matthew Nyes. Um, who's someone on this depth chart that you don't think 
gets enough love that we don't talk about enough? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think, um, you know, really emerging lately uh, is probably Nikita Gribyankin, but he's a little bit farther down the list. Uh, so, you know, in terms of maybe some of the higher end prospects who aren't getting really enough attention this year, I've been really impressed with what Fraser Minton has been doing out in Kamloops this year, especially when Logan Stankoven and Caden Bankier were off representing Canada at the World Juniors. I think Minton was, you know, tasked with a little bit more of the offensive load there for the Blazers, and he really stepped up. He had a, a an incredibly hot stretch near the end of December going into January. He's kind of cooled off a little bit since as the Blazers have, you know, they've made some significant additions to their lineup that's kind of thrown things into, I don't want to say disarray, but they're still trying to figure out, you know, their best lineup construction moving forward. So uh, Minton, among others, have been kind of shuffled around there a little bit. But I, I think that he's a really quality NHL prospect, and he's kind of similar to Nyes in the sense that he represents a bit of a, a unique asset in the Leafs prospect pool. You know, a big-bodied center uh, who can play a strong two-way game. He's got really good offensive instincts and a, an incredible wrist shot. Uh, I know there's been some consternation about his level of uh, production that's taken place on the power play this year as opposed to even strength but in the last couple of weeks he's really started to pick it up at even strength as well and I just think that you know it's he really he projects pretty clearly to the NHL with his size and two-way game and just his overall intelligence you know the, the Leafs raved about it after the draft you know kind of talking about how they believe his upside is very high as a player who hasn't been playing high level competitive hockey for all that long. He's also one of the youngest players in the 2022 class. So I think he's a player who we're going to see kind of climbing the boards of public perception over the next little while. Yeah, I think when you really look at this list, and I really don't want to be that old guy Leaf fan, but any guy <laughs> that has a six in front of their height is just yeah. is intriguing. Like I, I I really don't want to be that guy, but when you're talking about a guy who's six foot two and probably hasn't fully grown into his body yet, like that, that's very exciting for me. Yeah. And you just look at, you know, the overall prospect pool, if there was an area where they're lacking that depth or that projectability, I'd say it's probably down the middle uh, as much as anything. Yeah. Without question. So Kyle Dubas spoke yesterday and basically came out and said, you know, we're not going to move off a nice or a first round pick for a rental, which to me makes sense. Is, is the hype around nice legit? Like when, as someone who, who watches him and, and like, is probably has a way um, more in-depth knowledge of him than the average fan, the, the hype around this kid is crazy. And, and I know <laughs> like when you're in this fan base, it's like, we tend to overvalue like our prospects or whatever, but we all do. Every fan base does that. Yes. Yes. But like in your opinion, like is, is it legit? Uh, <laughs> this is funny because it's something uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with uh, Kyle Cushman, a uh, yes. fellow Leafs prospect writer on Twitter, a uh, former colleague of mine at the Leafs nation, good friend of mine. Um, you know, last year when Nyes was really starting to break out and kind of make a name for himself and push himself up the, the prospect depth charts, so to speak. Kyle and I were kind of joking about how the hype was starting to get a little bit out of control 
But it was also Kyle and I who were kind of fueling that hype as much as anybody by constantly posting the highlights and the the reviews of his, of his play. Um, I think, you know, the hype has gotten a little bit too much. I think anyone expecting him to come and step into this Leafs lineup. Yeah, he's the savior, man. He's the savior. Yeah. We're going to plug him in with Tavares and Nylander. And we're off to the races. Or Tavares and Marner, we're off to the races. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, you're already kind of setting yourself up for disappointment there, I think. Yeah. Um, th- that's not to say that he isn't a quality prospect who ha- has no chance of being a top six contributor. But expecting that out of him, you know, at the end of this season, when you know, depending on how far the the Gophers go in the Frozen Four, and you know, we don't know for sure if Nice is going to sign. He kind of indicated over the last few days that it, it's he's leaning that way to turning pro and joining the Leafs later this year. But depending on how far Minnesota goes, he could be joining the Leafs lineup with you know two or three games left in the regular season. So it isn't really a lot of runway for the Leafs to even get a look at him to be comfortable enough to, you know, throw him into that playoff lineup. Um, I, 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 he's still a very high level prospect who is going to be an important piece of this lineup for years to come. I just don't know if projecting him to step in and be an immediate contributor in the top six or projecting him to be a, you know, a perennial 35 goal scorer is realistic. I think, you know, eventually he's going to settle in as kind of, uh, you know, someone who can bang in 20, 25 goals a year might hit 30 once or twice, but it's everything else that comes along with his game that is going to make him such an important piece for this team. It's he's just such a unique player, not only to the Leafs, but there's just, there's not a lot of players like Matthew Nyes around the NHL anymore. He's a insanely physical player and not just, you know, delivering those big hits on the forecheck and things like that. It's the puck protection, the way that he's able to make plays coming off the wall, the way that he creates space going to the middle for his line mates and just battling for space around the net. And he, then he has all the requisite offensive skills to make good on those opportunities with the hands in tight and an outstanding wrist shot. It's just, there's not a lot of holes in his game. And I think he's even kind of rounded that out further this year with, you know, more duties on the penalty kill for the Gophers. He's still helping to drive that top line. Whereas last year he was the freshman on that unit this year. He's the one who's kind of got the experience leading the way with Logan Cooley and Jimmy Snuggerud who are, you know, having outstanding seasons in their own. Right. Uh, But yeah, I I just, I, I think that if you're, going to be making a deal that involves sending Matthew Nyes out the door you better be damn sure that you're getting an impactful piece who's going to be around for a while yeah there's just no way there's a a rental that's that's worth that to me no no there's just no there's no way and if he is going to join them later this year I do think you know just sort of throwing him in there like out of the frying pan into the fire might not necessarily be the worst thing you know I think back to Nick Robertson in the bubble and he was he just went out there and played and he played really well because he kind of didn't know any better and he wasn't in his head and he was just out there like like that was some of the best he's played since he's been up with the big team. And and I wonder if maybe throwing him in at the end of the year, he doesn't really have time to really sit and think, oh, geez, this is a lot. Like I'm I'm in the pros now. I'm with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So it's just like, no, go out there and play hockey. Like no matter where, what line you end up on. And it's on Keith and Dubas to protect him and to sort of yeah. like 
cool the expectations around the fan base. But if he does lean that way and he does join the team towards the end of the year, just throw him out there, let him play, and just let him do his thing. And I honestly don't think that'd be the worst thing for him. Yeah, I, I fully believe that Matthew Nyes could step in on the fourth line tonight. And, you know, hold his head above water at the very least. It's more about, you know, expecting too much out of him too soon. Right. And, and not really having the runway to to secure the faith of the coaching staff for when the games really start to matter. That's not to say that he couldn't make a strong impression in a handful of games and, you know, earn a look in the playoff lineup. I just think he's going to be in tough to do so. And then it will also be tough for the Leafs to kind of take that leap in such a crucial year. So you you just kind of touched on this, but I did have it on my list of things list of things I wanted to ask you. So if you were to move off him, because it doesn't seem like Kyle Dubas wants to. I really got that impression from listening to him talk yesterday. He was like, it would be a huge mistake to move off this kid. So safe to say, barring some sort of like epic deal that comes your way, which let's be honest, it's probably not going to happen. Moving off this kid, in in your opinion, would be a mistake. Oh, absolutely. I think like, you know, of all the names that are rumored, the only one who I would even consider would be Timo Meyer. I think just because, you know, you're kind of getting what you're hoping Matthew Nyes is in the future. <laughs> if you acquire Timo Meyer, the only problem there is it, he's not your traditional rental in the sense that he's a restricted free agent at the end of the season, but he's also not someone who fits into the leaf salary structure moving forward either. Right. So it, it's just, e even that deal would have me hesitant to include Nyes. Uh, you know, if, one of the biggest problems for this Leafs team over the last few years has been struggling to integrate cheap entry level contract contributors into their group. And, you know, finally have one knocking on the door and Matthew Nyes who who could legitimately step in and be an important piece for this team as soon as next year. Uh, I, I just, I think you've got to be really careful uh, dealing away assets like that. So even for Timo Meyer in a short playoff run with no guarantee that you're going to be able to retain him beyond that, I'd still be really hesitant to include Nyes. Yeah, it's too bad that Nyes might suffer the wrath of expectations because of yeah. what you just said. It's just we've been waiting for an ent these entry-level players to come up, and they just haven't been coming. And if you look at Nyes, it's not like he was a top-10 pick. He was picked 57th overall. So it's so really, like the expectation shouldn't be there, but he's just going to suffer from it because we just – been dying we, we just dying for a prospect to come up and fill in a role like that yeah and it, like i said it's been so long and you know i think nick robertson has kind of struggled with that a little bit as well um it, too much too soon maybe for robertson uh you know coming off the heels of that explosive year in the ohl and then being brought in with the bubble it's just everything's been so out of sorts for robertson you know with his development over the last few years He's missed out on a lot of development time, not only because of injuries, but you know the, the whole pandemic schedule and everything that went along with that. It, last year should have been Nick Robertson's first year of professional hockey under yes. normal circumstances. Yes. And while he also missed significant time with an injury last year, when he was healthy, he was dominant at the AHL level. He scored at a 40-goal pace as a 20-year-old in the American Hockey League. So, like, that's it's nothing to sneeze at. And I think he's also been kind of a victim of expectation. Uh, as you mentioned with Nyes there, just 
coming in and people expecting him to be a 40 goal scorer right away it's it's just not feasible and i think we've seen some of the growth in his game you know over the the different times that he's been called up and gotten that opportunity with the leafs it's just uh, such a, a bummer to see the kid go down with another serious injury and have another season derailed in such a, an important year for his development. And it seemed like he was finally starting to break through and he was getting consistent opportunity at the NHL level. Uh, I felt like he was probably owed more uh, production than what he had before getting hurt. Yeah. Um, it, I know a lot of people were disappointed with his performance outside of that first game against Dallas where he you know, he was the story of that game. Yeah. Um, I, I thought he did a lot of good things and it, it seemed like a matter of time before the pucks were going to start finding twine for him again. And uh, it, it's, it's, it just sucks, man, that he's going to have to face another hurdle and kind of a, a long road back to pushing for a job with the Leafs. Do you worry about the injuries with him? Like he, he yeah. seems like one of those guys who he just has a really hard time staying healthy. And one of the things that, uh, Ryan has talked about with him on this pod is you watch him play and and I do think he needs to make some adjustments to his game a little bit in the sense that he puts himself in situations where like he's he's gotten rocked like a, a few times and I do think that's just part of his like maturation process and growth is just learning like like Marner for instance never puts himself in those situations and I'm not saying Robertson is going to become like a Marner but it's just that sort of like awareness out there that I still think he needs to learn a little bit. Cause there's a couple times when he was up yeah. this year where it was like, Oh my God, he just got rocked. Well, I feel bad for him because it's people are expecting, cause the Leafs already have so many skilled players who aren't exactly like physical types and he kind of fits into that mold. So I felt like almost he was feeling pressure to get in on the four check hard and, and, and finish his checks. And he just, he got caught in a bad spot and just got rocked. You know what it is? I don't think anyone's ever told Nick Robertson that he's not six feet tall. Like <laughs> yeah. that guy just plays balls to the wall all the yeah. time. He's always been that way. I think maybe one of the biggest issues with him early on in his NHL career has been that he is playing too fast or trying to do too much on his own. He's kind of just chasing the play all over the ice. And I, I feel like his better performances and better, more impactful shifts started to come when he was kind of letting the game come to him a little bit more rather than just constantly hunting the puck and chasing it around like a pack of novices. Yeah. He was, you know, hunting for that space in the offensive zone or, or looking for those lanes or uh, being in a better position to support play rather than just attacking, attacking, attacking all the time. But it, he's just, that's his mentality. He's, he goes and gets it. He's after it all the time. And I think, you know, some of that has led to the injuries that we've seen. Uh, but some of it has just been terrible luck, too. Yeah, like yeah the, for sure. The, the broken leg uh, in the second game for the Marlies last season, that was just like such an awkward play. He's just going to fight for a loose puck in the corner gets turned around funny and, and just kind of pushed over with his own leg underneath him. It was just a really kind of freak injury. But when these, these freak injuries start to become a trend, it, it's, it's impossible to ignore it and not be concerned by it, especially for a player of his stature. Right. And with the way he plays, I don't think that you're going to get the best of Nick Robertson if he's trying to rein it in too much, you know, maybe a little bit, like you said, but I think you need that intensity and that drive for him to to be at his best. And yeah, it's it's going to be a long road back for him. 
but I, I definitely do have concern about the, the mounting injuries at this point in his career and just how much time it's forced him to miss. Yeah, definitely rooting for him. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, couple more for you here, Nick, if that's okay. Um, yeah. So we found out yesterday that Matt Murray is going to be on the shelf for Kyle Dubas said another couple of weeks with an ankle. It looks like they're going to be rolling with Joseph Wall behind Elias Samson. Elias Samsonov. Uh, the conversation around the Leafs goaltending has just been a crazy one. You know, we started the season being like, oh my God, what a roll of the dice this is with Murray and Samsonov to, hey, this is pretty good. These two guys are playing pretty well. Matt Murray, having him on your team, it's par for the course. You're, you're going to have multiple stretches throughout the year where he's um, not available to you. We've seen Shalgren. Now we'll probably get a look at Wall. Are you confident with with Wall behind Samsonov? Like, is is do you think this conversation around the sudden um, depth of the Leafs goaltending is is legit? Um, in what sense? Like, they should be addressing the depth. No, no, no. Like, I think a lot of people or are like, oh, Joseph Wall. Depth. Yeah, that Joseph Wall is pretty good, and, and like he can fill in here, and like we don't need to necessarily worry about this if Matt Murray is going to not be available for long stretches at a time. Well, I think that's just kind of representative of you know, goaltending as a whole, right? It's so volatile. And like, if you had asked me that same question a couple of months ago before Joseph Wall was was back playing with the Marlies, you know, maybe we aren't feeling so good about the depth in the crease. Shalgren did an admirable job when called upon. I, I think, you know, he was actually probably better than he was given credit for by a lot of people earlier on this season. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think, the Murray injury is almost a bit of a a blessing in disguise in the sense that it's going to allow them this stretch of, of time to get a real look at Joseph Wall against NHL competition again. You know, he had that, what was it, four-game stint last year uh, where, you know, I thought he played pretty well in those four games. It, it, pretty good showing for Annette Minder's first taste of the NHL, at least. Um, but what he's been doing for the Marlies this year since he returned from an injury uh, – that he was dealing with over the off season or multiple injuries actually, but that almost makes it more impressive that he's come back from dealing with multiple ailments and played the way he has. I think he's finally starting to kind of tap into that potential that the, the Leafs were so high on when they selected him way back in 2016, you know, yeah. that this guy was picked in the third round the same year that the Leafs drafted Matthews. And we all know that goaltenders take a long time and it certainly isn't linear and it hasn't been with Joseph wall. But he has shown, you know, steps or signs of improvement in each of his professional seasons. And it's really kind of taken off with his play this year. Uh, I think his his record is 12-1-0 or 13-1-0 at this point. He's got a, a 9.30 save percentage. Uh, went 11 games before suffering a loss with the Marlies. Set the franchise record for consecutive wins by a netminder. So it's just there's no better time to kind of get a look at him against NHL shooters again and really see what that depth looks like. How confident can you be going into the postseason if you are forced to call upon Joseph Wall or, you know, even Eric Schalgren again? But I think this stretch will be what determines which one of them it is who is third in line uh, should the need arise. But I'm I'm really excited to see Joseph Wall get another look. I think that, you know, he's... He's continued to mature and round out his game. I think from a, a technical standpoint, he's he's what you look for in an NHL netminder. He's got the the physical makeup. He's got the, the, the again, I'm no 
goaltending expert. I think it's a very difficult position to evaluate. Um, but you look at the way that he kind of squares up to shooters, the way that he he takes away so much of the bottom part of the net, and he's got the athleticism to to recover and make kind of out of the box saves when his technique isn't enough to to put him in position to make that stop. So yeah, I, again, just really looking forward to seeing what he's able to do with this next run of play with the Leafs here. Yeah, he went. Uh, yeah, I know he came up. He went three and one with a nine eleven save. I thought he did a pretty good job when he came up uh, in the in the past. And I look at that that list on your Twitter, and I look at th- I see three goaltenders on here, and just I I was just thinking about a question to ask you about them. But again, it's just how much can you really know about these guys? It's always been a Leafs fans fantasy to have like a, <laughs> a the, homegrown the, goaltender. Yeah, the, yeah. the Vasilevsky. And I, I just look at these three kids on here and like the one guy's six, they have two six foot six goalies, which is nice. But again, it's like, it, it's hard to really project where these guys are going to go. Yeah. I, I mean, again, goaltending is so volatile. We see it even in the NHL year over year, right? Like a, a guy who might've been a nine twenty last year could come in and be a, a 902 this year and it's it's really difficult to kind of project what you're going to get out of anyone who's not named Andre Vasilevsky or Igor Shesterkin or Connor Hellebuck there's just not many of them right so you never really yeah. know what you're getting from year to year but it, with with the goaltenders that the Leafs have in their pipeline I think my overarching takeaway is that you at least have to be pleased with the early returns on what they've done since being selected and I think that's as much as you can really hope for, especially with the goaltending position. Um, Dennis Hildeby's kind of had a, a bit of an up and down year in the SHL, really struggled to steal playing time away from Matt Tompkins, Canadian Olympian. Um, but when he has played uh, outside these last couple starts for him, he's been really strong uh, and his numbers have you know, stayed solid going all the way back to last year when he got his first taste of SHL action. So you look at a guy like that, who's playing in one of the better professional leagues in the world, who is six foot six, 230 some pounds and has the athleticism to make some highlight reel stops every now and then that's, that's an intriguing asset to have in your organization. And I, I think the reason that he landed the top spot in terms of net minders on my list was all of that. The fact that he's six foot six, he's already having success in one of the best pro leagues in the world just kind of gives him uh, the edge over Oktyamov or Pexo or even Petrozelli for me at this point. Um, I know Petrozelli's had his moments in the American league. Uh, Oktyamov has been otherworldly in the second tier Russian league this year. Like, absolutely ridiculous i think he's rocking a 944 save percentage at this point through like 40 games or something so so like again you just have to be encouraged with the early returns and hope that they're able to kind of sustain that level of play as they continue their progression now Oktyamov putting up a 940 at in the vhl is no guarantee of NHL success by any means, but it's certainly better than the alternative. Yes. It's highly encouraging. Yeah. Last one for you. So we've had a lot of people on our our pod so far this season, and I've asked every single one of them this question. One of the things that has intrigued me the most, because I'm, I'm active in, in the leaf discourse on Twitter, as are you, (laughs) is, is the, the conversation around Kyle Dubas and, (laughs) 
they're playing with fire by not re-signing this guy. And it's they need to re-sign him now. But then you have the other segment of the fan base that is like, nope, I need to see some results in April. And I if I don't see those, then that's it. You've had your chance. You only get so many kicks at the can, yada, yada, yada. I think for us as a podcast, we've we've always been, I would consider us like a pro Dubis pod. But I think, you know, just after what has happened the last couple of years, it, it kind of wears you down. And so I think we started the year as like, yeah, I get it. You know, they want to see um, some results in April. I get why they're doing this. But as the season has gone on, I think the two of us have really come around and been like, no, they're resign this guy now. Like anything yeah. that, first of all, who else are you going to bring in? I'm petrified by some of the names that they, that would float around. Like I said, if you could say, hey, we're going to cut a deal with Julian Breezewad to leave Tampa and come here. Okay, I'll entertain that. But outside <laughs> yeah. outside of that, I'm really like, no, I don't like any of these options. Where do you stand on this? Are, are you like, sign them now, you're playing with fire, or are you, I get what they're doing, let's wait and see what happens? Well, much like you guys, I would consider myself in, in the pro-Dubis camp for the, the most part. I mean, I've been critical of a few things he's done here and there, but for the most part, I've been a big fan of his body of work since he's been named GM of the Leafs. I, I think what's his line, uh, trust the process. I, I think that should be making its way up the organizational ladder when it comes to the decision on his future, right? If you look at the process and the way that he has shaped this team and the moves that he's made, you know, just kind of removing the results from that, which is difficult to do in such a results-based business. But if you just look at the moves that he's made and the decisions that he's made to to form this roster and what they have, you know, in terms of future assets and stuff like that, I, like you, I just, I, who are you going to bring in that you trust to do a, a better job? I, I think at some point the players have to get this done, right? Like, is there anyone who is unsatisfied with with the the lineup that Kyle Dubas has put together? You know, we're usually filled with optimism and everything going into the playoffs. Looking at this roster, thinking this is every year we do this to ourselves. This is the year we're finally gonna. So you're kind of going back and doing the whole hindsight thing. If afterwards you're saying, "Oh, well, it's Dubas's fault that they." they didn't have this or they didn't have that. Like if you were confident in the the group that he put together, which I have been almost every year, because you look at the moves that he makes that they're, they're not done without purpose. It's like, like he's had a lot of bad luck, right? Like yes. Nick Foligno was an absolutely perfect fit for what this Leafs team needed in that bubble season. He was just damaged goods upon arrival. Yep. And it's like, I don't know how you're supposed to fault Kyle Dubas for that. Um, or the fact that there's a pandemic with a flat cap. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, chief among the, the bad luck that Kyle Dubas has had. And also, like, having the three superstar restricted free agents who kind of reset the market for restricted free agency, all while expecting that growth in the cap to come that never came. Never mention, or never mind, you know, drafting a player in the fir uh, first round a couple years ago who is, you know, no longer really an asset to this team in Rodion Amirov. You know, the, the the chief concern with Amirov is his overall health and hoping that he's able to just continue to to live a happy and healthy life at some point. Yep. Never mind what he's going to be able to do for the Maple Leafs, but 
that's still a, a tough blow to this organization, no matter how you slice it, right? Obviously, that's very insignificant in the scope of things. The, the Again, the priority is just hoping that Amirov is able to make it through this and live a, a happy life. But th- that is a tough blow to this organization. And I just think a lot of things have gone poorly for Kyle Dubas, despite his best efforts. And yeah, I'm still in the camp where he's the guy that I trust to lead this team. And I don't think that he's he's going to kind of mortgage the future just because he's in the final year of his deal. And I also don't think that he would be in the final year of his deal if the organization wasn't so concerned about just public perception. I think that they fully believe he is the the man to build this team and and lead them going forward. But with the noise in this market, if they had just handed over a contract extension last year, you, you can imagine what the narratives would have been <laughs> all this season. Um, but yeah, I, if it's me, I want him signed and continuing to lead this team. 100% agree. Do you buy in? I see some people who are like, oh, they're they're running a risk of, you know, th- them having a successful showing in the playoffs and then him just turning and sort of flipping them the bird and saying, I'm out of here. And I just don't not, buy into that, man. No. No. Like, no. Y- the guy's got the 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 primo job in all of the National Hockey League. He's put his heart and soul into this team. You're the general yeah. manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. What? You're going to go be the general manager of... I don't know. Pick a team, Nashville. Like no, like it's, so. He, he's he not finally, doing it. He, he say hypothetically, he finally sees his team have a bit of playoff success. You know, they go and they win two rounds, and say they yeah. lose in the conference final or something like that. You know, the the mood around this organization is vastly different if that happens, right? So you think that, not you specifically, but p- people in general, you think that Kyle Dubas is going to finally see this group that he has slaved over for the last few years trying to to put together a championship caliber team and he finally sees them break through and have some postseason success. And just because he didn't have the extension in place before that, he's going to to walk away and take on a new project and not see this one through. I just don't see that as a realistic possibility. 100% agree with you. Nick, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, buddy. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. I had a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again sometime. You can follow Nick on Twitter at underscore Nick Richard. You can read his awesome work at theleafsnation.com, and you can hear him on the Lamenting Leafs podcast. So check all those out. Thanks so much, buddy. Thanks, boys. Cheers. See you, man. Wasn't that awesome? I don't know if I loved you considering me a a pro dubis oh, okay. guy. Well, you you, you kind of you kind of lumped me in uh, there, and I was like, you know what? I I don't I don't know if I would call myself a pro dubis guy. You're not an anti dubis guy. No, I'm not an anti. I, I I've liked some stuff he's done. I I haven't liked some stuff he's done, but I I I'm kind of in the middle of him. Just like I maybe if this doesn't work out, he has to be fired. I know. I thought Nick made a ton of great points about how unlucky he's been, and it kind of swayed me a little bit. I'm not gonna lie, but. I don't know if I'd be uh, totally pro Dubas. We're back from the All-Star break. Leafs back in action. So we'll be back on our regular schedule. So make sure you hit that like and subscribe button below. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate it. We'll catch you guys next time. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? 
Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.